0: Welcome back to the Simplifying Investing Series. I'm your host, Adam Masters. It's great to have you along with us. In this series, we're taking a look at how we invest in ourselves and the things that are important to us. Now, technology plays such a big role in our finances these days, and new and emerging technology, along with new ways of investing, are always around the corner. Now, one of the big talking points in recent times has been cryptocurrency. And whether you're a crypto expert, novice, or just digital currency curious, there's plenty to discuss about this phenomenon. That's why I'm excited to have AMP Capital's highly respected chief economist, Dr. Shane Oliver, joining me on the line today. Shane, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Adam. Great to be here.
0: Now, I have plenty to ask you, but before we get into all of that, listeners, here's a quick reminder.
1: This podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only.
0: So Shane, in recent years, we've heard the term cryptocurrency mentioned quite a bit. In fact, I'd go so far as to say there's been a frenzy about cryptocurrency and what it means for markets. So let's start with the basics first. What is cryptocurrency and why has it made such waves in recent times?
1: Well, cryptocurrency basically refers to digital currency.
0: Uh, the term crypto means hidden, so you can't actually
1: see it. I know, I know there is a, a physical thing of it, but uh, basically it's all occurring in digital form. And it's, uh, it's basically digital currency where you can buy anything using digital means assuming you've got the cryptocurrency in the first place. it uh, I, I guess Bitcoin is the most famous version of it, and it was the first as far as I know. Um, it got underway back in 2008. Uh, we had the Genesis block, uh, I think, was created in 2009, by a group of persons or a person named Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm. Uh, but since then, we've seen lots of other cryptocurrencies come along, which are all slightly different. But most people, when they think of cryptocurrency, you think of
0: Bitcoin. So, how widely accepted are cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that you just mentioned? Is there a measure of their purchasing power?
1: Well, they're not that widely accepted yet, in in the sense that if you show up in your local Woolworths and ask can uh, buy something directly with Bitcoin, I wonder what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but they have become more accepted over time. And, of course, there's various means by which you can make them accepted in the sense that, you know, various credit card companies will, credit debit card companies will connect up to your uh, your Bitcoin account and then take the money out and enable you to transact. I mean, effectively, though, you're still using regular um uh, processes to do that rather than using the Bitcoin. But the theory, one theory would be that it would become a medium of exchange and many of its supporters would see it as becoming the medium of exchange in years ahead. Um, I'm a little bit sceptical as to which currency, which crypto it will be, and it may be none of them. It may just be a digital currency provided by governments. But there's no doubt that the whole concept of cryptocurrency, digital currency or digital cash Uh, And the blockchain technology that often underpins it um, has the potential to revolutionize things. It's just a lot of uncertainty as to which way precisely it will go.
0: I remember one of my local cafes maybe about a year or two ago was uh, actually implemented Bitcoin as a means for, for purchasing. Now, I'm not sure if the Bitcoin system went as well as their hot chocolate or their macchiatos <laughs> went, uh, but I will have to check in on that one. But Shane, another expression that we hear is is altcoin, which I understand is used to refer to cryptocurrencies other than the big player you mentioned, Bitcoin. Why does this distinction exist and, and how do altcoins differ generally from Bitcoin? <laughs> Well, in in some ways,
1: they don't differ that much at all. In other ways, they do. Bitcoin has, I guess, been the first uh, and biggest in terms of its overall market capitalization, if you want to call it that. Um, It tends to dominate. So when the, the others come along, they're seen as alternatives. And there's lots of them, I think, last time I looked at it, there was over a thousand of them. Uh, Some of them are built in slightly different ways. You know, for example, Bitcoin has a limited number of coins, which I think is, from memory, 21 million. Um, So that limited supply creates a scarcity value, much like people are attracted to gold. It's seen as scarce and therefore investors like it because it's seen as something that governments can't print an endless amount of it can't be debased by an increase in its supply over time other current but the problem with that is it creates um limitations if you've got a limited amount of supply it can send the price sky high it's uh bitcoin is costing more and more to create it's created by a complicated process called bitcoin mining which uses up a lot of energy and in the process of doing that, um, it's led to a lot of criticism that uh, it's just this expensive thing that uh, chews up lots of energy doesn't really help mankind, you know, which you could argue perhaps is why the Chinese have banned Bitcoin mining. <laughs> Others get away from that partly by uh, you know avoiding the limited uh, uh, supply issue. Um, one, Ethereum is perhaps one of the best well-known alternatives uh, and its uh, program, the program that underpins it, is open source. It's available uh, for, I think, anyone to, to use and oftentimes when you hear governments uh, saying they're looking into it, the Reserve Bank last year indicated they were looking at creating a digital currency for commercial use or institutional use and uh, the, the base for it was, was a platform uh, related to Ethereum mm-hmm. or Ether. So, Bunch, there's a whole bunch of things. Some of the alternatives have been created as a joke. I think Dogecoin was originally a joke. Um, but some of them perhaps shouldn't be taken seriously, but then they were taken seriously and their price sort of took off towards the moon. Um, but obviously, all of these things can't survive. Um, and it does remind me a little bit of uh, the Wild West you know, back in the days before central banks, where banks could create their own currency, Uh, But that can create a lot of instability as these currencies move all over the place, booms and busts and things. And of course, ultimately, that was rationalised by the formation of central banks.
0: And, and you, you did mention just briefly before the cryptocurrency was invented in 2008, you mentioned the unknown personal group of people using that, that name, Satoshi Nakamoto. It's still relatively new, uh, all things considered. And the world appears to be in a somewhat unknown territory when it comes to regulation of cryptocurrencies. How would you describe the control structure for this? Is, is there someone or something maintaining oversight or is it not that simple?
1: It's not that simple. It's uh, it's basically uh, well, at present, its 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 oversight is on the internet. I mean, it's basically blockchain is where each transaction is stored in a block, and it's it's uh, stored on a network of nodes or nodes or databases on the internet. So. You can go and check um, each transaction in that block, and you know whether you disagree with them or not. They're in there; they will be there. Um, and so it's it's regulated to some degree, I guess, by the internet, by um, you know, public access to it. Uh, the area where the concern is that it can be quite volatile; that maybe it. Might get sold to people who shouldn't be investing in it. They're not used to the volatility. For example, over the last the period since 2010, it's had several occasions. Or 2000, it's had several occasions where it's fallen by 75% in value. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, you know, if someone's put a lot of money into Bitcoin and then suddenly they find that it falls, that might come as a shock. So yeah, that, that's one reason why governments might want to regulate it as it becomes more widely dispersed. Um, and governments may want to regulate it for that reason. The other issue, I guess, is that it's been often associated with nefarious activities, which has made governments a bit suspicious as well. Of course, its proponents would say, well, anyone could check uh, who the transactions are, but in theory, unless you have the details that, are, that relate to that account, it's hard to know precisely. Now, you can get into all sorts of murkiness around this. There was recently a situation where a um, ransomware business um, ransomed a US energy provider or power provider um, for several million dollars. The money was paid. And then for some reason, <laughs> uh, international uh, law enforcement agencies managed to get half of it back out of the Bitcoin account um, that was run by the ransomware business. So, And then, of course, there's a debate as to whether that happened at all. So it, it all gets very, very murky. Um, The other issue, I guess, is that governments think, well, okay, you know, this is all very interesting, but we and we agree there is a case for digital currency um, and people may want to use that, um, but uh, we want to do it ourselves. You know, we currently have um, ownership of the legal tender in in countries and um, we want to have control of that. We don't want our money supply getting out of control. Uh, And governments, of course, get a a benefit from being able to print a certain amount of money every year. It's called Synorage. And that comes about because they have to increase the money supply in line with growth. And that finances a little bit of government spending every year. So they may not want to give up their monopoly on Mm -hmm. the supply of legal tender. So there's all sorts of debates around this. But it does seem as if digital currency in one form or another was probably here to stay. It's just a question of how the dust settles and which cryptocurrency might ultimately be the one or whether it's something that governments
0: provide. Shane, the electric car manufacturing giant Tesla disclosed back in February of this year that it had invested 1.5 billion US dollars in Bitcoin. But recently, the company's chief executive Elon Musk raised questions over Tesla's commitment to Bitcoin, tweeting favourably about the one that you mentioned before, Dogecoin, which features the uh, the Shiba Inu dog as uh, as its sort of. Face and branding, um, you know, it was Elon Musk who tweeted favourably about this alternative. Um, when companies like Tesla get involved in this way, do you think it boosts confidence in cryptocurrency more generally, or or does this just make it more difficult to get a read on the true value of these currencies?
1: Oh, I think it does both. I mean, there's no doubt that Elon Musk is a big influencer, along with other heads of um, social media companies, and at times they've all had an impact on the price. Uh, Earlier this year was a classic case in point in relation to the Tesla comments. Um, And of course, I think uh, similar comments from um, Elon Musk and others in the middle of the year helped turn (laughs) turn Bitcoin prices back up again after a, a sharp fall. So it's... Elon's it's, Twitter uh, has
0: a really remarkable effect on the market, I've discovered.
1: It, it certainly does. And that, uh, I guess, reflects the power of influences, um, the impact that has on the people who are Bitcoin followers. You know, mm. it has become a bit like a religion and they follow they follow certain people. When those people say something, it has a big impact. Mm. Um, so That's just the way things are. Um, I guess it does make it hard to get a read on the true value, though. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to get a read on it Generally, I mean, it's uh, you know, maybe Bitcoin becomes the medium of exchange globally, but you know, there's lots of question marks around that in terms of the cost of transactions. You know, the issues about how much energy is produced in mining Bitcoin, um, whether that's feasible, whether governments are going to allow it um, to happen. I have no doubt that this will all help push down the cost of money transactions internationally. But ultimately, if governments do it in some way with their own crypto currencies or digital currencies, then it it may not be Bitcoin or any of the other thousand uh, currencies, or it could be a platform of one of them. But trying to get a handle on how all that pans out is very, very difficult. And then if you accept that it's not clear that they're going to become digital cash, uh, then it's questionable how you value it. It, it, You can value a property or you can value a share or an infrastructure asset or whatever it is because they generate a flow of income or earnings over time that you can value using the dividend discount model or some variation and compare it to other assets. With these assets, it's next to impossible to value. It's really a function of, well, how much do I think, if if I buy a a Bitcoin or a, a Dogecoin or whatever, how much do I think I'll be able to sell it to others for? And that that obviously makes it highly speculative. Some would say some have actually criticised. It's a bit of a Ponzi scheme, you know, mm. existing holders are dependent on others coming in to push it further towards the moon. Um, so you've got to buy and hold or hodl, buy and hodl, as they yeah. call it. Yeah. Um, and that then becomes very speculative uh, and a bit of a Ponzi scheme. Um, I'm not saying definitively that it is or not, but it it just is very very hard to put a value on it, which makes it hard for investors. Some would say, well, okay, given all of those things, then maybe you just invest in the in the enthusiasm for it generally, and rather than pick on anyone, you just in a, you, you invest in one of the digital exchanges that have come along, like Coin, uh, and that's way of that's one way of um, getting into the space without necessarily buying into the individual cryptocurrencies themselves. Mm,
0: mm. Well, I think we've ascertained that cryptocurrency by by default is speculative and you've kind of touched on the investment value there, but you know, it'd be wrong of me not to ask, should Australians be considering cryptocurrency as an investment or is the idea of perhaps looking to more traditional funds the safer, more secure option? I'd be curious to know what role, if any, cryptocurrency plays in, say, investment portfolios and superannuation.
1: Well, that, that is a good question. I have looked at it. Um, I, I do face the dilemma that if the currently available cryptocurrencies are not ultimately going to be the um, you know, digital cash, uh, then how do you value it? So you can't value it as cash, but you've got to value it as comparison to shares or or property, um, but they don't have an income flow. I know there's uh, – some will say, well, they generate interest because of trading, but that's a bit different, isn't it? It's sort of um, a bit circular in a way. It's not like a property that generates income because the property is buy and sold. It generates income because it provides a service. Um, so it, it is very hard to value, and that makes it hard to work out where to place it in a portfolio. It also tends to, if you look at many of the cryptocurrencies, they tend to go up and down with share markets. You know, Bitcoin had a big fall last year around the time of the pandemic. Um, so you would actually increase your volatility potentially if you have Bitcoin in your portfolio, because it would go up and down with shares, albeit in outsized proportion. So that makes it hard as well. So I would be a little bit cautious about including it, but if you are going to include it, you'd have it as a very small portion and you'd call it alternatives or something like that. I think it really depends on the interest the investor has in doing this. They'd have to monitor on their own. Um, it's, it's not something that a typical superannuation fund would invest in because a typical superannuation fund would, just, would, would see it as just way too speculative and hard to value and therefore hard to justify having in the portfolio.
0: Look, Shane, I'm, I'm a little bit like you in the sense that I, I have my payment cards on my mobile phone. I have my my smartwatch that I can use to tap and go. So, I mean, the convenience is already there for currency that I'm familiar with as, as a consumer. Um, and we saw recently a development in cryptos push into the mainstream with a major bank moving to offer customers the ability to buy, sell and hold crypto assets through its own app. Does cryptocurrency have the potential to push further into the everyday established way that we manage transactions and become, say, a more widely accepted commercial form of payment?
1: I, th- I think it does have the potential there. And there are two big potentials. One is uh, blockchain technology uh, as a digital currency offered by governments or, or uh, cent- government central banks. Um But that's not necessarily going to be Bitcoin. It probably won't be Bitcoin. Mm. Um, The other one is the whole decentralised finance concept um, is, I find, very convoluted, but obviously there is potential there on a long-term basis. So one shouldn't dismiss this whole phenomenon out of hand. Um, I know some would be saying, well, the proof is in the pudding. It's gone up uh, exponentially. Bitcoin's gone up exponentially since since its foundation. Um, But past price gains, as we all know, don't prove anything going forward. That's a standard disclaimer to uh, financial investments or to any investment. (laughs) Plus performance is not a guide to the future. So the fact that it has gone up doesn't, doesn't necessarily prove anything. Um, But I do think there is potential here for blockchain. I do think the whole concept uh, does have value in terms of digital cash, but ultimately provided by government. Um, And uh, decentralised finance is something worth keeping an eye on uh, in the years ahead.
0: Shane, I think I'll be like you. I'll be watching and waiting uh, eagerly to see where things go from here. I think there's uh, definitely some interesting times ahead in the digital currency front. Um, Shane, I think your analysis has gone some way towards taking the cryptic out of the crypto, which is very much appreciated. So thank you <laughs> for your time today. And look, okay, you never thank know you. If, if we invest appropriately, maybe one day we'll be able to refund a reboot of your beloved Brady Bunch. So never say never, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. I think I'll be waiting for a while though <laughs> before that one happens.
0: <laughs> you never, okay. never know. Shane, thank you once again um listeners i hope you've enjoyed hearing from shane and if you haven't already please go back and have a listen to our last episode where shane helps break down the current property market in australia it's a great listen if i say so myself that's all from us for this episode before we leave you a quick reminder as ever any topics that have been discussed today are general in nature so it's always important to seek out personal tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own circumstances before making any important financial decisions